hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How's everyone doing today? Let's talk. Well, first of all, we're brought to you by MyBookie. I just pulled them up on my webpage here. And, and we got Miami plus three visiting the Baltimore Birdies tonight. I can't believe they're getting points. I mean, these are two bad offenses. And let's break it down a little further, obviously. But... And I get that Baltimore is a desperate team at home, short week, backs against the wall, proud organization, impressive organization, historically good organization, but they're not a good football team. I'm not saying Miami is, but all right, well, Miami has the ball. I think they'll be able to stick with Ajayi over and over and over, and He's a better back than Latavius Murray. I mean, I do think the Ravens' run defense can be good, but like we saw against the Steelers and Minnesota, if, if the Ravens' offense doesn't do anything and the opponent can just run the ball and run the ball, best of luck. I mean, even with Brandon Williams and, and those guys. We don't know if Parker's going to play tonight. If he does, he'll probably get a lot of Jimmy Smith. Um, that's not great considering Parker hasn't played. Obviously, you'd prefer he was in there. Otherwise, I think Smith will be on stills quite a bit. And he's a really good corner. And their secondary in general is really good. But I don't think they have an answer for Landry. I mean, I think Landry picks him apart. A lot of Ajayi, a lot of Landry. Um, Matt Moore might be better than Cutler, by the way. He's starting tonight, if you don't realize that. He made some nice throws, you know, when he had that stretch last year, whenever he was a starter. I mean, I think he's a good player. He's erratic. He could certainly have a stinker, that's for sure. But if they can kind of play within himself and Gase can keep him in a comfort zone, like I said, a lot of Landry, a lot of Ajayi, I think the dam eventually breaks. Because you go to the other side, and Baltimore doesn't run the ball very well, but you would think that's their best approach in this game. But the the, the Dolphins are really good against the run. You know, I mean, they're really good against the run. So Flacco, go beat them. Flacco's terrible right now, and they have no answer for Wake coming off the edge, who's playing unbelievable. Namakong Su, I think, is going to destroy these guards. I mean, destroy. that. Those two, I bet, were, is going to be the story night. The announcers will be like, oh, another pressure by Wake, another hit by Su. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, the back seven's not great, but you're going to beat you with Ben Watson and, you know, Sus- Chris Moore, Flacco. So, I think Miami's clearly the better team. I don't think the matchups are really in the Ravens' favor in any way, shape, or form, except for special teams. They certainly could win this game 17-16, 14-13, something like that. But I think Miami wins, and if you're going to give me points, I know it's a short week on the road in a tough environment, but they're just better, and the matchups you know, are, are more in Miami's favor. My bookie is in your favor, though. How about that? What a transition. You know, uh, ever since I've been starting doing podcasts, every Thursday I pick Thursday games, and Friday, tomorrow, we will pick every game. I'll go to my bookie, and we will pick every game against the spread and straight up. So everyone's always asking me, you know, who you got, Steelers or Lions? You got the Dolphins or the Ravens? Well, I got the Dolphins, and if you're going to give me points at my bookie, I'm putting some bucks there now, and I'm running the my bookie as we speak. But let me tell you this, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, so that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. 
MyBookie has been in this business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payout. Seriously, it's only just two business days, which is awesome. You know who's going to win, right? Miami. Matt Moore's better than Flacco, by the way. Uh, anyway, lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners. It's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have, they have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit up to 100% bonus. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's for the whole LOCKEDON network, and you should be checking on the, out the whole LOCKEDON network if you're not. That's how you activate your offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. Use my code LOCKEDON. You win. You play. You win. You get paid. So, now, as we often do on Thursdays, I'm going to take some Twitter questions. Twitter Thursday. So, many of you have written in. I'm going to pick the best ones. So, here we go. Stephen Bounds asks, why don't more teams like the Browns and 49ers make more trades with contenders at this point in a lost season? I think that's a good question. Um, I think the main reason is the guys they want to dump, just generally speaking, I'm not talking about specifics on those two teams at the moment. The guys they want to dump are veterans that are making money. You know, they're not dudes on their first contract that are cheap. And there's not a lot of cap room floating around this time of year. You know, the, the, the people have used it up in free agency or given their guys extensions. Jags just gave Telvin Smith an extension. He's a really good player, by the way. It's a great move. So it's not like, hey, take this $10 million old wide receiver off our hands for a fourth-round pick. Well, I can't fit $10 million under my cap. The other problem is, unlike baseball or even hockey or basketball, I assume basketball, you can't just, you know, send me a right fielder, I'll stick him in right, hit him fourth, and maybe he doesn't know his teammates, but so what? He can still hit fastballs. You know, like, give me a left tackle. Well, he doesn't know any of our blocking schemes or any of our terminology or our protections, you know, or give me a safety, but he doesn't know anything we do on defense. You know, so if you trade for a guy... That's not a plug-and-play situation. However, if you're to bring up those two teams, you know, Crowell and Hyde are both free agents after the year. If you've decided, we really like this guy. We're going to try to keep him around. Maybe we'll even franchise him. I mean, I know that's far-fetched, but maybe with Hyde. Um, then you don't trade him. But if you're looking at it, especially in the Crowell situation, and say, he's all right. You know, it's not a position that is real difficult to transition from. Could a team like Green Bay is a bad example because I think Jones is good. Minnesota, or and Crowell hasn't looked real well. I mean, I, I would be knocking on the door for Hyde if I was a running back needy team, much more than Crowell. But there is ability there, and it's not a real difficult to, you know spot to transition. So I hope I kind of summed it up for you. But, I mean, it's... It's not as easy as you think. It's not fantasy football. Robert Godfrey asked, do the Jets fire Bulls if the team keeps winning, winning, ultimately losing out on a top-notch quarterback? <laughs> um, so I think what you're asking me is, we all assume the Jets are in a productive struggle 
for next year. They got rid of their big talent to make a ton of cap space, create draft picks. And if by chance we lose a lot and get an early pick, that would be great. But this Todd Bowles guy is coaching too well. (laughs) You don't fire a coach for getting more out of the talent than you give them. I mean, he's a coach of the year candidate, in my opinion. With one of the worst rosters in the league, they're competitive in winning games. Isn't that what you want your coach to do? (laughs) Um, I see what you're saying. But it's not like, and I'm sure Coach Bowles was in in the meeting saying, this is our big general plan, and losing is going to be a byproduct of that. And in a way, that's going to help us. But you don't go out on Sunday and not try to win or prepare during the week. You know, like, that's why I, I hate the word tanking, you know. And I've told you guys this before. These teams aren't tanking. They just have a plan. The, the, the Browns are the perfect example. They just have a long-term plan to try to get to an elite program. And by doing it is accumulating a ton of draft capital and a ton of cap space and therefore dumping their high-priced guys and their good players. But it's not like on Sunday we're trying to lose. I always use this example because Mary Lemieux is my favorite athlete ever. I'm sitting here looking at a signed autograph thing over my barroom. Well, when he was coming out, as you would think, he was like LeBron. He was the by far the easiest first-round pick to make ever. My sister could have, would have picked Mario and never, you know. He was easy. And it was between the Devils and the Pens for who got the first pick in the draft. Well, it just so happens, give or take, the last weeks or month of the season, the Pens brought up a goalie from the minors. Who doesn't stop any pucks? <laughs> and they played him a lot. Well, the rest is history, and now I've got pictures of 66 on my wall and hoisting cups because they got Mario. (laughs) So that's tanking. All right. All right, another good question here. J.D. Fulamanio, what are you looking for from Watson, Deshaun Watson, before you're a believer? Seattle, his first true test, also is Teddy to Baltimore next year, crazy stupid. No, Baltimore needs to do something, first of all. I mean, Joe is not the solution. He's the part of, in a big part of the problem. He's super expensive. They need to either draft somebody or bring in a Teddy or both. Um, there isn't a guy in the roster that looks like a successor. So let's just say Baltimore needs to do something drastic at the quarterback position. I do think this is going to be a really tough test for Deshaun Watson in this offense. You know, going to Seattle. Really good D. They just signed Dwight Freeney yesterday, by the way. I love that. He's like your pass rusher for hire every year. Goes to a good team. You know, successful. Going to be a good influence. Probably not play a lot of snaps. But their defense is really good. And it's execution-based. And I think that they'll, they'll, they'll limit his big plays in a big way. They'll get a lot of bodies to... To him as a runner, a lot of eyes on him with fast linebackers and Chancellor and those type of guys. Um, I I know you guys think I'm crazy, but I'm not a Watson believer yet. I mean, I'm just not. He makes a lot of... He's been lucky with some interceptions, to say the least. He still makes a lot of throws that he should pay for much more than he has. Um, he is a playmaker. I love his demeanor. I think he's a very positive influence and a spark that they need. 
but there's not upper level quarterbacking going on there. I mean, it, it's more run around and make plays, and they are devising things around them, and I like that, but I think they get walloped in Seattle, and I bet points are really, really hard to come by for them. Uh, Nodian asks, or Nodian asks, Josh Doxson, second half production, question mark. Um, I just picked him up in my redraft league, actually, because I think that they want to feature him. I think there's a lot of ability there. I think there's a lot of touchdown potential there. Um, the system looks at him as their number one, I think. Pryor's been really disappointing. Crowder's been very disappointing. So, I know this isn't a fantasy show, and whenever I ask, and again, Twitter question is, or Twitter Thursday is not, should I start this guy or this guy for fantasy? Yeah, but that's not what we do. But I do think Doxon could be one of those young players that really has a nice second half of the year, and you, and you sit around after, you know, a rough start to his career and say, Ah, now I see what they saw in him on draft day. All right. So, Maya in Packers land. He's a long-time guy. Back to the ESPN days. I remember you. Matt, is the problem with Dom Capers the fact that Thompson has predominantly given him rookies rather than vets every year? It's a good way of looking at it. Um, Historically, young corners and secondary players, especially corners, Really struggle. It's a hard position to transition to. And over the last couple of years, the secondary's been bad. And Thompson has just drafted heavily. You know, we're just going to keep giving you young guys. That's a bit of a problem. I mean, and his scheme's not easy. However, I also think there's a couple defenses in the league. And maybe none more so than Green Bay that do what they do from a personnel standpoint, that we don't care that you come out in two backs, you know, two tight ends and a wide receiver. We're still playing nickel because that's what we like to do. Or these are the players we went on the field. We think that gives us the best chance to win, even if you go four wide. You know, like, he kind of just does what he does and doesn't adjust to who you bring on the field nearly as much as other teams, other defenses do. And a lot of times that's a big nickel situation with a safety as your inside linebacker, two defensive tackles. And, you know, having Mike Daniels is a huge, huge, you know, uh, advantage, uh, of course. But I think that's a disadvantage, too. Uh, That's a flaw in his coaching style, in my opinion. All right, Lee Wiziski asks, why don't we see more two-back sets? A lot of teams have thunder and lightning, but never on the field together. Used to see it in the 2000s. And I think he's, what he means here is not a blocking fullback. He's talking about two running backs. You know, I mean, um, you do see it sometimes that Atlanta really comes to mind, especially last year, that I think once in a while you, you look at your personnel and say, Coleman and Freeman are two of our five best skill players. We have to figure out a way to get them on the field together. But in today's NFL, at least one and preferably two of those have to be really good receivers that you can go empty, you know, or, you know, want one back and split one of them out and at least give you some wide receiver-like qualities. Like, I could certainly see the Cardinals doing it with Ellington and David Johnson. You know what I mean? Like, 
these two could act as wideouts. But when there's the problem is when there's two running backs, usually speaking, one of them isn't a very good blocker, and already your quarterback's not a good blocker or isn't blocking. Already your ball carrier isn't blocking, obviously on both those occasions. Usually one of your wide receivers is doing pretty little, you know, generally. He's either stock blocking or maybe running his guy off or something like that. Um, And if you don't have yet another blocker because you have Coleman lead blocking for Freeman or vice versa or something like that, that's really a disadvantage in terms of trying to get 11 angry dudes blocked up. So I think that's the nuts and bolts of it. But in today's NFL, because there's so many versatile running backs come in the league. Like, you see McCaffrey and Stewart in the game together all the time. But Stewart's really the running back, and McCaffrey's the running back, quote, wide slash wide receiver, you know? Or maybe Curtis Samuel will get some of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think you see it more than you, you realize by the tone of this question. But the problem is just who's going to block in the run game is basically the, the gist of the issues here. Go Pats asks, M-Dub, how does losing Hightower for the rest of the season affects Pats D? As you said, the second-level guys are slow already. Yeah, I think it's a big deal. That I do think this, the Pats secondary is going to be really good this year. Like That's going to come around. Saw a little bit of it. Um, I'm certainly not sold that the Pats D is, is solved. Don't get me wrong, just after one game. Um, but I do think I trust that secondary big picture, and I definitely trust Patricia Belichick to take away the massive mental errors that have happened. Blown coverages, those things I don't think will keep up. So that's great. Um, I like Wise, and I like Flowers. They're good players. They're good pass rushers that any defense would love to have. But they're not both on Ingram. You know, like, in most teams, they're your second and third probably pass rushers. You know, Almost every team in the league probably has a better pass rusher than those two guys. And they're good. I mean, I like them, but there's no Von Miller. I mean, that's, you know, that's goes without saying. Everyone else in that front seven is big and slow. And Kyle Van Noy's basically played like every snap this year. That's not good. You know, like most teams, he would be a rotational player. He's not an every down guy. And that just kind of sums it up in a great big bloody nutshell. You know, like, Branch and especially Brown are good at occupying the point and shutting down the run, and that allows them to play a lot of big nickel as their base because their their big guys are so uh, good against the run, theoretically. Um, but Hightower was the only difference maker. You know, the only guy that was versatile, could line up on the line of scrimmage, rush off the edge, good blitzer on the interior, can play the run, can run with some tight ends. First-round pedigree type guy. Good player against the run. I think this is a really big loss. And I think now we'll see a lot more David Harris. Coaches love him. He's smart. He's tough. But he's the 1980s between the tack or run-stuffing linebacker. He doesn't help your lack of speed problem at all. I heard Mike Lombardi a couple weeks ago saying something along the lines of, if you're slow at middle linebacker, you're a slow defense. They're slow at middle linebacker. I mean, their front seven is sluggishly slow now. That their only guy that really moved well for his position is Hightower, and he's gone. Um, Again, Belichick, Patricia, they know their stuff. They will scheme things around this. 
They'll make the best of it better than anybody probably could. But it's a gigundous loss. All right. Go to my bookie. Bet on the Dolphins tonight. If they lose, I don't want to hear about it. If they win, send me lots of money and praise and tell me how wonderful I am. Tomorrow we will pick every game. There you have it. That's a wrap.